Love Late Bear presents Love the Conversation. The UK's first digitally interactive talk Bear. show hosted by radio and podcast host Dion London. Do not miss out on your chance to be part of some of the most explosive debates concerning culture, life struggles and community. Our rotating panel of experts and experienced individuals will kick off the conversation with 50-50 audience interaction. Join us on the 28th of April 2019 at 4.30pm at the Croydon Park Hotel. Tickets are £15 plus booking fee and available on Eventbrite. Just search for Love Laid Bear. Be part of the conversation. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. You're through to Lovely Bear, and I'm, of course, your host, Dion. Now, guys, today is actually Lovely Bear's first birthday. Um, <laughs> love the sound effects there. Um, yeah, it's, oh, goodness me, like, I, I cannot believe that I'm here a year after. Like, I don't know, it's just, it's just strange that like, so much work has gone into it. I've met so many amazing people along the way so many people just kind of opened up and, um, and 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 given themselves and they don't even necessarily know me you know um so for all the listeners everywhere in the world thank you so much um i've got to give a special shout out though um one of my biggest listener towns is actually croydon i do record in croydon as well so you guys thank you big up yourselves every single time and um, yeah, I'll be carrying on with the um, celebrations all week. So if you didn't hear the bonus podcast, I will be giving away some free tickets for subscribers only. So listen back and hear that. Okay, so ironically, my first episode this time last year was on, you know, crime, seriously violence, knife crime. Yeah. So today I am joined by none other than... The man himself, Mr. Chris Cyrus. Thank you. How? Yeah, I mean, I'm saying welcome to you. Like, <laughs> thank you for having me, and congratulations on the milestone. Thank Amazing. you. Good thank stuff. you so much. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. How are you today? I'm good. Feeling good. Yeah. Just had a quick workout. Had to run, cry, and see my mum real quick, and now I'm here. So yeah, it's all good. Lovely. So you've Thanks had quite holidays. a. A chock-a-block weekend. So tell us what you've been up to. Okay, this weekend. Um, so I spoke at Milk Trays Motivation on Saturday at Double Tree Hotel, which was amazing. I enjoyed it. Got to speak in front of about 120 to 150 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually back at Double Tree Hotel this Saturday to run my personal development workshop. Fantastic. Um, so that was cool. So I spoke there. Um, on the Sunday, I was on BBC London Radio speaking with Dutton. Um, about knife crime and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, in the evening, that same evening, I partied up at Aquam. Um, and I was this supposed morning, to go to Aquam. Oh, was you? <laughs> yeah, you but yeah. Um, and yeah, this morning I went gym and now I'm here. So yeah, it's been a nice, busy weekend. Nice, busy weekend. Good. Yes. Good. So you have um, quite an interesting life journey. Yes. You'd say up to this point. I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how, when did I meet you? Was it your motivation event? Probably, yes. Yes. Probably an event. Yes. And we probably kind of knew of each other through people. So I may have seen something pop up on someone else's thing. Yeah. Alex or through someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Chris um, runs a once a month Monday motivational event. Yeah. So he was running it first Monday of the month Mm -hmm. uh, called Monday Motivation. Um, We paused it to support milk trays motivation event that just happened yeah 
Um, and now we're just reviewing and looking at it. I'm really interested in full personal development workshops. That would uh, be yeah, that would be very so good. That, yeah, mm-hmm. but also thinking about um, the target market. So as much as I enjoy delivering personal development events to adults, can we do some community ones for the young people? Because there was a lot of um, parents that came with their children to Milk Trace Milk Motivation Trace, yeah. on mm-hmm. Saturday. So just looking at, okay, who's the target market? Do we want parents to come with their children? Um, is it a motivation with lots of speakers or is it a workshop? So we're just reviewing and looking at looking at the day as well. Is Monday evening a difficult um, time for people to come out? Should we do it Saturday? So we're in a place of um, review, reflect and, and go again, basically, right now. Okay, okay. Um, well, can I just say, well, you know already, I really um, uh, loved your motivational Mondays. You had oh, some God. really excellent speakers there, yourself being one of those. Thank you. You know, Thank so keep up, with the, keep up with the good work. Honestly, yeah. you guys are doing amazing. We do have an amazing <clears throat> team. So under the Aspire Hire brand, um, Andrew Fuller, Nathaniel P, Milk Trey, Nisha, um, Christine, Sherry Johnson. There's just so many males and females um, that we can pull on. Antoinette. Antoinette, I met, okay, I met Antoinette at your event and we actually did a podcast within a couple of weeks. Yes, yes. From me and her there. She's amazing, honestly. So she comes into the prisons with us now. Oh, fantastic. um, Yes, I've seen seen on Instagram, yeah. yeah. We were doing a training at my house not too long ago. So yeah, the team, and, and she came to a school actually to do some work with me. So the team is is powerful and we are looking to um, continue to do that, continue to build a team mm-hmm. that can go and do the work um, that come with their own skill sets. You know, as much as we can, you know, when we're doing a prison workshop, we give them some material to deliver in the prison, but they come with their own skill sets. Yeah. And as speakers, they're, they are phenomenal. So it is great to be part of that network. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. I don't, guys, I don't know Chris's story. I I, I only gathered bits of it from a, an event that he did, I think, was it last year, early last year, where you mentioned at one of your motivational events that you had been in prison. Yes. So can you, can you talk us through what was happening in your life just prior to you kind of going in and how you kind of ended up there? Um, so I do tell my, my, my testimony and I generally start at school age, I generally start at around 15, where I transition from a person of high self-esteem, believing in myself, confident, top sets, um, popular, you know, doing well, um, to a person who suddenly had low self-esteem because I didn't achieve the exams. Um, I didn't, I looked at the world and didn't see that I fit. I didn't feel like I could be successful in this world as it was. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm transitioning from a boy to a man, essentially. Yeah. And I'm looking at, okay, what I thought I was going to do, uni and this, these great jobs, you know, I, I suddenly didn't feel like I was, that path was for me. Um, you know, as I've studied and as I've learned later on, I believe, you know, I was stuck in what we call a fixed mindset, which okay. basically mm-hmm. means that you, you're either good or you're not good. You either got it or you haven't got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was blessed through many years of not really having to try to be good at school, not really having to try to be good at sports, not really having to try to make friends. It was it came naturally. Okay. So when I didn't put the work in and I failed, it felt like okay, maybe I'm not intelligent. Maybe I'm not good. Maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, um, without thinking, okay, I just didn't revise. Like I actually didn't revise. Like if I revise, I could probably pass it. <laughs> that didn't actually come to me strangely because uh-huh. I was of a fixed mindset. So how um, how old are you? This is fifteen. Fifteen. This okay. is fifteen, sixteen. Um, 
still went on, um, done a intermediate college course where I was supposed to do a plan to do an advanced course. So now I've got to do this year intermediate course to prove that I can manage this advanced course. Got bored, got disinterested, um, wanted to start making money, wanted to, to build a different reputation for myself, I guess, got, got drawn in by the lights, got drawn mm-hmm. in by the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and then went into a life of, of dabbling in crime. Um, and then just networking my way into serious crime where we, you know, where importing drugs and, and things are happening and drugs are going missing and people are getting hurt and, and that type of lifestyle, which culminated in me being in Kingston Crown Court with um, an importation charge that I was fighting, a conspiracy to import charge, Mm -hmm. um, which I was fighting because mainly because the evidence wasn't strong on me. Um, They did find me guilty and they did sentence me to a 10 year prison sentence. Wow. So from 2004 at age 24, um, I was sentenced to a 10 year prison sentence, which meant that I had to spend five years behind bars. So from the age of 24 to the age of 29, um, I was in prison starting off at Wandsworth HMP, mm-hmm. which is a 23-hour um, local prison, remand prison. So it's 23 hours a day, generally, that you're you're stuck in your cell. You know, you you get your food and bring your food back into your cell. You share it with, with another man that you don't know. Obviously, you make friends and so on and so forth. But generally, when you first go in, you may not know, um, you know, many people there. The, the toilets in the cell, the bunk beds in the cell... Um, there is no division between the toilet and the bunk bed. It's very, um, you know, you're, you're, I want to say you lose pride, but, but there is no, you have to get rid of dignity because there mm, is no dignity yeah. in, in prison mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, the experience and the conditions. Yeah. Um, that's stripped away. Um, and yeah, done well in prison in terms of understood that actually, now I need a growth mindset and I need to start improving and I, I need to change this. I had a brother who was probably second or third time in prison in the same prison with me. Um, oh, wow. Okay. On a different crime, completely different scenario. And I was determined not to be in and out of prison, particularly because I knew I had to spend so long behind the door. I knew I needed to change my life. I had a great motivation, which was... Um, actually seeing my mum cry in the courtroom and, mm-hmm. and I'd never seen her cry, I'd never seen her cry out in pain in that way and I had a real motivation to make her proud, to um, do better for her, for myself, for my family. Um, so started to study in prison, started to study psychology, um, uncovered the purpose which was actually, I don't want other people to go through this, particularly mm-hmm. young black boys who are going to be drawn in by the same lights and excitement that I was drawn in by. So I had a real clear vision in my mind that I want to make the most out of this prison situation, get back out and do some work with these young boys. Um, Achieved a diploma in psychology, achieved advice and guidance qualifications, achieved teacher training qualifications, um, came out of prison in 2009 with just the passion and the purpose and kind of walking by faith. Um, I had a folder full of poems in terms of expressing myself. Um, so, so you were writing it. whilst you were in prison? Mostly in Wandsworth, mostly the first two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the book that I have was, was written mostly in the first two years. Um, I had a folder full of those poems. 
um, and walking by faith it just came to me I need to put these poems in a book because the poems were written um, just for me and it was my thoughts and my feelings and, and my experience and I thought if I'm going to have an impact on young people they need to understand these thoughts these feelings these experiences mm-hmm. so the poetry book in, you know includes mum crying in the courtroom includes strip search includes missing birthdays includes you know my twin sister who had a baby while I was in prison and I'm not there for you know the, the baby's first Christmas and, mm-hmm. and, and, and birth and baby shower whatever else um, well men not got baby showers but yeah <laughs> I just wasn't there I wasn't there mm. um, so so okay so would you like to maybe recite one of those poems where maybe you were at like your lowest moment and then we can talk about you know your 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 thoughts and feelings whilst you were there do you mind? Yeah, I don't mind at all. Um, so when I normally perform poems, I do Mother's Cry, I do In Air, which is about no birthdays, no Christmas. But my lowest point, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my lowest point, but the only time that I actually dropped a tear throughout that whole time was when I was reading a letter from my twin sister. Um, so I'll share that one if I can find it. I think it's called The Letter. So you never cried for the whole five years? I didn't cry when they sentenced me. I didn't cry when I was in prison. I didn't cry at all. And I think the, I think one of the reasons why is because I was numb at okay. the time in terms of, you know, I I'd zoned into a place of whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing. I think the other thing was, as I said, um, as a protector, as a, as a, someone who wants, you know, the women and, and the family to be well, when my mum cried, I was more concerned about her. So okay. as I left the courtroom, it was, it's all right. It's going to be all right. And I was in a place of strength. I was in a mm. place of, I'm going to fix this. Um, so I didn't really have time for feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, I was 24 and I had no no dependence. I think if I had dependence, I would have bored like a baby. I've okay. got four kids now. So I understand having to leave them. I had friends who was doing a, one friend particularly, he was doing a 14 year. And when he got his 14 years, his missus was pregnant. So that oh, whole wow. seven years, you know, he, he's only <clears throat> known his daughter for that first seven years on an hour prison visit. Wow. That I'm not sure, you know, I could deal with and manage. Um, one would have to, but you know, that would be hard. So I didn't cry. Um, so, okay. Okay, so prior to you actually going into prison, would you say that you were somebody who would freely express their, you know, emotions? Or or, or had you, over the years, built up a kind of uh, a hardened surface around that? And I I guess do you have to? I'm guessing that it was a a stoic type of thing where there's just no no emotion. It's just a steady, um, no response to things. What Mm -hmm. will be, will be. Um, but there was also a sense of, um, is this really the life that I want? So I'm, you know, I didn't like the fact that people were getting hurt. I didn't like the fact that people were going to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if someone gets sent out to bring drugs back and they get caught, they go to prison. Um, that could be a mum. That could be, mm-hmm. you know, a father. That could be anyone. Um, so I did have a conscience throughout. Uh, but there is a sense of you kind of dull it somehow um, and ignore it somehow and switch it off somehow. So yeah, uh, there was a sense of maybe not being in, in touch with 
um, emotion. This poem is actually perfect in terms of of me understanding that I was switched off and that this letter kind of opened up something for me. Um, let me find it. It is called The Letter on page 31. I probably have got it in my head if I try to do it from um thing, but I'll read it, it's gonna be easier. I was a victim of the game, not a player of the game. What I saw hardened me. Before the door closed, before the hammer rose, before the last kiss, I was already numb inside. So by the time destination met fate, I didn't care enough to weep. I deserved and desired it. Held my chin up high, ready to ride it. It took about three years. A letter from Charmaine before I released my guard. I thought about her life. I thought of my niece. I felt my guilt. I embraced the wailing as I breathed and allowed the tears to fall. It was a symbol that I was alive, that I cared, and that my feelings were real. So yeah, that kind of encapsulates that whole mm, yeah. conversation, really. So you're taken to Wandsworth. Yes. Do you remember what your kind of feelings were at that time? Like, were you scared? I don't think I was. I'm an observant person. Mm -hmm. So I had several different thoughts. Um, Being in the the van that they take you into the prison, um, I was just observing, like, what is this? Like, what's going to happen now? Like, I've got a really, you know, my life's not my own anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have control anymore. Um, So I was just getting my head around that scenario. And then they put me in a holding cell with several other guys. Um, And one of them somehow managed from the outside to have a broadsheet newspaper, a massive newspaper. And he was kind of sitting, kind of cross-legged, you know, a lot of us in this small space. And he managed to kind of spread out this broadsheet newspaper. And I just thought to myself, this guy's an actor. This guy's not reading the newspaper. He's just pretending that this doesn't mean anything. He's just pretending to be cool. He's just... mm. And I just started to unpick and say, you know what, this is this is a facade. And, and I just wanted to be real to myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to play the game. I didn't want to try and prove myself um, to anyone because I, I kind of had a sense of, of who I was. I didn't need to play the game. Um, so I didn't really have fear. I had anticipation but I didn't have fear. Um, The first night I actually had a cell to myself. There was no pillow in the, in the cell and I pressed the buzzer. For asking for a pillow? To ask for a a pillow, I pressed Mm -hmm. the buzzer. Mm -hmm. So the guards come down and open the flap. So there's a flap on the inside, there's a flap on the outside. I've opened the flap on the inside. He's opened the flap on the outside. What is it that you want? So I'm saying, you're right, mate first night and all that you're right mate I haven't got a pillow and he said first of all I'm not your mate and second of all don't press that buzzer unless someone's dying and he slammed the shutter closed in my face and walked off wow and I was like okay I'm 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 here now mm-hmm. I'm here now and, and yeah that was my first experience and that was my first sense of again you're not in control right now yeah you know you're 
you're now um, you the system now has full control of even if you get a pillow tonight the system's in control of that um, and I just resigned myself to what can I do for myself so how can I you know the only thing that I will definitely have is my own mind my own thoughts my own reading my own education mm -hmm. um, physically I'm on shutdown but mentally um, I can do some great things so that's where I went I went to a place of mental growth um, education growth um, but, but, how, but how did you how did you go from I mean what was the timeline what was the, what was the timeline in between that because I'm assuming you didn't get you didn't get the pillow that night no. and then I'm sure you, it wasn't the next day you're like do you know what actually I'm gonna study psychology <laughs> do you know what I mean the timeline so um, the minute I heard my mum cry in the courtroom I knew I wasn't doing that anymore mm -hmm. and I knew I was gonna do better so I changed instantly in terms of how I was gonna be living my life so that was done um, pretty much maybe in the holding cell maybe in the cell um, it just came to me I'm going to be going through this scenario right now and what I'm going to do is I'm going to dedicate my life to ensuring that others don't go through the situation hmm. so the actual purpose came to me very very soon wow that's amazing very very soon and then it just became a matter of, okay, what can I access that's going to help this path? Mm -hmm. So Open University was something that was, was accessible. So, so, so how, how soon was that accessible to you? Within the first six months, I would, I would have received a, a box full of books in my cell and opened up that box full of books. And I'm suddenly reading about psychology, child psychology, development psychology. I'm just reading about psychology. And every month... I've got um, an essay and an assignment to do based on what I've read um, and I send it off and I pass and my self-esteem's going up and, mm. I'm, and I'm learning um, you know every now and again I see the tutor and, and I'm and I'm actually in university um, mentally I'm actually in university because I'm, I'm building my life I'm creating something I'm building a foundation um, so very very quickly very quickly so would you say that you were you personally were academically academically quite strong before you were in yeah. prison anyway i was i've i've always been able to learn i've i've you know i would say i'm intelligent i can pick up information um the issue was never intelligence the issue was always um effort mm -hmm. focus and priority yeah that was always the issue um and and lack of knowledge of self in terms of just allowing a circumstance or circumstances that are just you know with a mature mind okay that was just that incident um you know allowing certain circumstances to to dictate how i then thought about myself or you know what life meant or where i was going and so on and so forth and there's obviously obviously lots of other impacting issues like environment like um media you know lots of other influences that actually give you the message that you are not going to make it out here you mm -hmm. like if you want to be happy and successful 
looking like you do living where you live you're gonna have to go and do certain things yeah and then you can you can have that but that road of of studying and of academics that is that path isn't for you and even if you get to a certain point there's going to be a glass ceiling Mm -hmm. and and i believe that and i witnessed it to be fair you know because i you know i was still doing bits of work bits of part-time work i remember working in a building society and um an african gentleman smartly dressed african gentleman that was some type of financial advisor and the senior financial advisor was um left the job and for all intents and purposes we all kind of thought okay you're naturally going to be promoted to senior um, financial advisor and he wasn't promoted and someone who didn't really seem like they was any more capable than him mm-hmm. came in to deliver the role um and again it kind of cemented something in me like if you ain't making it i ain't making Make it, it because yeah. you played the game you looked the part right now i've got cane roll gold tooth yeah yeah (laughs) if you ain't making it i ain't making it so i'm i'm doing this over here um and that's you know that's kind of what encourages me to to do the work because i understand it's a it's a mindset game Mm -hmm. and if we can change the mindset and the belief um which is why i'm happy to share my testimony Mm -hmm. because my testimony is about actually you can run your own business Mm-hmm. my business is 10 years old um for three years i was learning for three years you know it wasn't financially stable but i kept at it because the business wasn't necessarily about the money it was about the purpose yeah um i had to learn about social enterprise and community interest company i had to learn about funding my business model was to go in and do the work and if you like the work then call me back in and pay me to do the work that was my business model for the mm-hmm. first pretty much the first three years um so it's an in, you know it's just an interesting um experience and grounding and foundation that i'm not really you know there's a lot of fuss around funding and stuff and and i'm really just about the work and it will happen and i'm and i'm on different things in terms of vibration in terms of i don't chase money i just chase doing good work doing what i'm here to do mm-hmm. and that will come funding will come paid customers will come um if i have to diversify looking at passive income streams like i don't yeah i'm, I'm not at that place of of panic and chasing things mm-hmm. i'll adapt as and when i need to okay so i want to go back again so in that six months period before you got your books and you were studying how did you manage to kind of keep your mind right and in, engaged if that makes sense because i guess a lot of people that go into prison probably aren't academically strong. Mm. So, and that's probably one of the reasons why re- rehabilitation rates are so low because, you know, they come out and it's like, okay, what do I do other than go back on road again? Mm. So being on 23 hour bang up essentially mm. is going to do something to you. Of course. Yeah. So how, how did you, how did you ride that out? Okay. So I think, First, firstly, I don't think you need to be academically strong um, to find yourself and find your purpose, find your passion. You know, personal, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, personal mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. can can lift you. So they may just be good at their with their hands. They may be good at speaking to people. You know, there's there's they can find and develop their skill 
regardless. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. In terms of how I kept my mind sane, um, poetry, because it was my, my channel to the most high, it was my creativity, it was my, I would write something, read it, learn about myself. Um, so the poetry, the education, um, the, the, the camaraderie, the friendships, mm-hmm. you know, there, I had cellmates that we play chess till two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what else? Just thinking about the future, setting goals. So knowing that if I work towards, um, an open prison, actually I can go home on the weekends mm-hmm. and I can go out to study. So within three, three and a half years, I was in open prison. Okay. So just setting myself goals. Um, so what? So what? So where did? But where? Where did this come from? Do you understand? Do you, do you understand what I mean? Out of necessity, out of rock bottom, out of if you're backed against the wall, then you have to fight. Mm-hmm. And I decided to fight for my life. I decided that I wasn't going to be a victim, be a statistic. Like mm-hmm. I've got to fight um, with the blessing of a purpose like I'm going to go out and do something mm-hmm. if I didn't have anything to go out and do I don't know where my mind would have been but I knew I was coming out to do something mm. so every time I, I read a page and passed a test I'm like this is going this on is to leading do this somewhere. I remember being in Swellside prison and I'm doing my studies and someone from the outside comes in to, to help us we've got a study group and he's asked me why are you studying psychology I said I'm studying psychology because I want to work with young people and he says to me, you'll never be able to work with young people. Like he, he tried to put, probably not purposely, just mm-hmm. that's what he believed. Believed, yeah. Um, you know, but because I believed it so strongly mm. and because one of the greatest things is, is my support network was so strong. So my auntie would send me books. My auntie would, you know, I, I would ask her, is that true? And she's like, no, there's certain crimes and the boom, boom, boom. So I had a strong supportive network. Mm-hmm. Um, that really fed me, really support me, you know, supported whatever it is I wanted and needed. Um, and, and that was imperative, actually. Um, yeah. Love, laid, bare. At any point whilst you were inside, did you ever feel any element of fear? Did you ever kind of, did you get yourself into scenarios where there was like maybe, you know, animosity with you know, someone else on your wing or anything like that? Or or, or did, or would you say you actually had quite an easy ride during your time? I would say I had an easy ride. One of the main reasons I had an easy ride is because of how I carried myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the type of places they put me. They put me in a place, lots of places where um, there were a lot of people from South London. Okay. So you either knew me or you knew my brother or you knew areas that I was from you knew people that I knew mm-hmm. so there was a air of familiarity there um in terms of of fear and, and anticipation always when you're moving from one place to another there's that sense of okay I'm going into a new place what's this place going to be like mm-hmm. what are these guards going to be like what are these prisons going to be like because you become you become very comfortable um in your place um and whether there's a hierarchy or, or a, you know, everyone just knows where they stand. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not trying to sell drugs in prison, because I'm not smoking in prison, because I'm not doing certain things, because I'm actually around certain people, there, there was no fear day to day. Okay. Um, there were incidences where um, 
someone's done something and it's just the the law of the land that you know people have to retaliate based on something that's been done um because it's connected to a friend or a family member so there's incidences that i was part of mm-hmm. um there were things around um maybe a phone or a charger where someone um maybe spoke a certain way um and we had verbals mm-hmm. um so there were scenarios um but they were a handful mm-hmm. they were a handful it wasn't you know like it is for some young people in the system now where it's literally once a week once you know all the time it's kicking off i had a handful of of scenarios and none of those scenarios ended up badly for me if that makes sense okay you know so um so i would say um i had a blessed journey, journey. I, was, I was protected i was guided um how many times how many times were you moved uh from wandsworth to swell side i think i had a, a short period in maidstone um and then blantyre house which was my open prison for the last couple of years or year and a half so maybe about four times so do you get notice when they're going to move you um so you kind of push a request to move you you move through categories so i started at a cat b cat a is the highest mm-hmm. like terrorist level uh, i think belmarsh, belmarsh. yeah, yeah. Like prison mm-hmm. in a prison i started at cat b um after a year or so or a period of time on and behavior you get decategorized to category c which means i can move to a better prison so swell side i was able to cook um, oh brilliant learning how to make ice cream from nat- from scratch oh. you know the yardy them frying chicken and planting and yeah <laughs> like we cooked it up um and then you push again for your decat and once you get your decat it's it's not you're asking them like move me like i've got my decat now mm-hmm. i'm eligible for open prison like like that's the one i want to go to i actually wrote to my open prison because someone advised me to do that well before i was due to go there oh, okay um, and that's kind of you know the law of attraction and putting your intention mm, out there, out there yes it. yes so you know this 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 life and the teachings and the things that i do now is because i've had such a journey of manifesting what's in my mind and mm-hmm. and of doing things um i said it on dutton's show of doing things that i didn't know was personal development doing things naturally mm-hmm. and then understanding later that that was a goal that you said when you said you want to be in open prison in three years you set a goal mm. um when you decided you, you're going to dedicate your life to working with young people to stop them from going to prison that that's your purpose like i didn't i was just doing what came to me mm-hmm. and then later i understood that the, these are actual tools um you know developing certain habits whether it's fitness habits behavior habits um these are all tools to success and when I understood that actually I was becoming successful, even though I was in prison, I was becoming successful. Um, and throughout my business, 10 years in business, becoming more successful. I understand that there are fundamental tools that are actually crucial to success. Um, and many successful people speak on these tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm passionate about sharing these tools and giving these tools to people because I know I stand by it, I live by it. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that you would be walking 
and living in your purpose had you not gone to prison? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Um, it it may have taken an incident. Um, it may have take, taken an incident. If I'm honest with you, um, I had a mindset and a vision of grandeur in that life. Mm-hmm. When I say grandeur in that life, like I want to be the big, big fish out there. Yeah. I want to, mm-hmm. like where I was and where I got arrested, I wasn't the big fish. I mm-hmm. wasn't the, the big person doing the big investment, making the big money. That wasn't me. Yeah. I had full intentions of being that person. But in being that person, that comes with a lot. Um, yeah. So I don't know where I would have been if if I didn't get taken off that path. Mm. Um, but I was hell-bent on that path. Um, so do you acknowledge that you were literally taken off that path? 100%. Okay. Of okay. course. 100%. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, good, good. Okay, so you've done your studying. Um, you're now in a cat D yeah. prison, so you can now come home, you know, spend weekends at home. Wonderful. I, I go to a place called St. Giles Trust in Camberwell. That's where I get my teaching qualification and my advice and guidance qualification. Um, so I'm going there pretty much every day. Um, every other weekend or weekend, I'm, I'm able to go home. Um, it's kind of freedom it's mm-hmm. kind of freedom I will say as well that um, my psychology degree was, was funded by a prison education trust so there's you know there's certain organisations that you meet within the system that really um, that help you and again that is just your vibration because they can't mm-hmm. help everyone yes mm-hmm. so it's just just knowing that what you need will come to you if you kind of resonate and, you, and you're kind of prepared for it and you want it it will come um so yeah, that's how I've, how I've lived, and it, and it's yeah, it's been it's been good. So were you able to kind of, you know, did you have a girlfriend when you went inside, and you know how 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 was it trying to maintain a kind of romantic relationship with okay. with somebody? Because you know I know people that have been inside, mm-hmm. and that's been something that's quite difficult to mean to maintain. You know, yeah. you know, let's be real. As a woman, yes, you will try. <laughs> Probably more so than a man would. No, but do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But obviously, there there comes a time where it's like, okay, how long can how long can how can how yeah. long can a woman do this for? Yeah, absolutely. So, All right. So when I went away, um, I didn't have a girlfriend. Okay. When I went away, um, I was in the the lifestyle of what you would, I guess you'd call a gallus in that sense. I see. Yeah. Mm. So I, I wasn't settled in that sense. Um, later on, within my sentence, sentence, I did reconnect um, with someone who I'd um, known, who I'd cared for. Um, and during my period of, of being in open prison, um, she was impregnated. So... I impregnated by who? By myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the fact you said she was impregnated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we fell pregnant. <laughs> I, I, I mean, do it. Anyway. Um, so I left prison in January, and my son was born in March. Amazing. Yeah. So and I totally asked for my son. I totally asked. Um, 
for my partner, arts for my son. Um, so it was just, yeah, God has been good to me, 100%. That's so um, nice. You know, being 24 and coming out 29, one of the things is that I want to have a family, I want mm-hmm. children. And, and I asked for my son, I prayed for my son. And two months landing, I've got my son. Wow. Wow. So you speak a lot about, you know, intention and you know law of attraction stuff like that and obviously this i guess this is language that you would have picked up over the last 10 15 years since Absolutely. i guess since you've been out or mainly mainly towards the end mainly so I was, the end. I was living it um and then the last 10 years it's been studying it and understanding it mm-hmm. yeah so for someone who's listening who may have gone down for something similar what is the difference between you and someone else that I'm not, I'm not saying that you're right now, you're absolutely living your wildest dreams, but you know, when you first walked into Wandsworth, Mm. you know, could you perceive that this would be your life now? Do you understand what I mean? You can only visualize what you want. And that's all I've done. I've visualized being on stages. I've visualized speaking to to, to kids. I've visualized radio interviews, funny enough. Um, you can only you've got nothing to do but daydream you've got nothing to mm. do but think and visualise mm-hmm. so rather than think on the worst case scenario when I go into the prison and I speak to the guys I can I can tell just from the way they speak what's going on and if I ask you what you're going to do when you come home and you tell me you don't know I'm concerned for you mm. because what are you thinking about yeah you know what? Yeah. What else? What else is there to know, mm. other than what is your plan when you come out? If you've got no plan, then you're planning to probably do the same thing again. Um, I mean, in your opinion, what is what is one of the main reasons why a lot of our young men are so disenfranchised? Why why do they not know what they want to do? Because they haven't found their unique gift. They haven't found how their unique gift can generate income, can serve the world. Um, They don't see themselves outside of what I believe is a um, programming of who they should be. Mm. It's a programming because if that same individual was somewhere else, maybe in Africa, maybe, you know, different area whatever it is you know different parents maybe like it's a it's what they've been told it's what they've seen um and it's programmed them to a certain way um part of the the work is to deprogram part of the work is to say no you're powerful mm-hmm. you're great you're talented you could absolutely you know when, when we start going into it the amount of guys that talk about these massive dreams of building up things in Africa, whether it's homes or, or businesses. Um, some of their ideas are, are great, um, but they're, they're not ideas that are actually working towards. They're just like, in another lifetime, I would have done that. Oh, I see. But for this lifetime, I'm stuck here. And, I'm, I'm, it, and for us, it's like, no, you can have it in this lifetime. One of my business partner partners, Nathaniel Pete, 
um, came from Tottenham and so on and so forth, went on to be a pilot. Mm. And when you and when you've got a black man from Tottenham with no qualifications who fights his way through and becomes a pilot and becomes um, a network um, friend with um, Richard Branson and gets to mm. go to Necker Island and he's standing there in the prison telling him the testimony. They're like, okay, maybe maybe I can do something. When mm. you've got someone who's done a 10-year prison sentence who now runs their own business and does these things, it's like, okay, maybe maybe I should start taking that, that dream of mine seriously. Yeah. Maybe I should start investing in that that dream and then we say okay here's some tools if you want to go through it here's some tools make sure your self-esteem's up make sure you're setting goals make sure you're visualizing make sure you're, you're working on certain habits um make sure you're taking responsibility make sure that when you are knocked back because it might not go smoothly that you can bounce back that mm-hmm. like we give them the tools that if they want to chase it they can absolutely achieve it and it's all perseverance mm-hmm. there's absolutely no such thing as failure yeah it, there's no such thing as failure you either keep going or you stop if you keep going then you're you're still in the game mm-hmm. and and that's life that's journey that's the journey mm-hmm. i'd rather die doing what it is or on the way to where i want to be than than give up yeah you know so that's what we impart and that's what we share so outside of maybe i guess organizations like you have who who is there to kind of impart the kind of personal development side of inmates then who actually maybe want it is is there a kind of a very a strong move um within the kind of prison education system to work on personal development is that something that's pushed we are pushing it so i'm the aspire hire we are pushing it um and prisons are 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 interested and are, are you know listening um whether there's other organisations, whether there's some internal things around it, um, there's there's many different priorities that they have, whether it's violence reduction. This by high actually includes violence reduction. But they're going to have other aspirations, um, looking at drugs, looking at crime prevention, looking at housing. Um, there's so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's given the priority that I would give it. Mm not just for the prison system, for the school system. In general. In yeah. general. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's given the um, the priority that, that I would give it, but but we definitely prioritise it and we're definitely pushing. I mean, <clears throat> obviously listening to what you have been saying, personal development was key. 100%. Do you, do you think that this is going to be key, first and foremost, Obviously, if we've got drug dependency, okay, yes, we need to work on that. Mm. But do you think personal development could be the key to... Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's about an individual becoming their best self. Mm -hmm. If every single individual works on becoming their best self, it's done deal. Mm. We're good to go. Yeah. That's it. So how do you... on on, On your kind of not so bouncy happy days because mm. all we all have those kind of days what mm. what kind of what kind of tools do you have to kind of keep you going and keep you motivated um reminding myself of, of who i am um so that's that's personal self-talk um taking time out like if, if i'm if i'm run down if i'm not feeling good if i if i need to rest then i need to rest if mm-hmm. i need to you know jump on a plane or just get a break or just or just sleep um 
have have conversations with people um, so that I, I can voice what's going on and, and my doubts or, or my fears or my pains or whatever it is um, repair relationships if it is you know there's an issue and, and I'm not getting on with, with people just just take absolutely take each day as it comes um, but with the priority that I want each day to be on purpose I want each day to be um, better than yesterday mm-hmm. better than yesterday if possible or at least another step towards um, the journey so yeah I, I work hard on staying excited passionate and there's things and tools around that help that mm-hmm. so whether it's the gym whether it's the gold whether it's the business that I love whether it's the the young people that I love, whether it's the events, um, the radio interviews, speaking on stage, I've, I've got many, my kid, my family, I've got many things, friends, that I've got to live for, mm-hmm. that I want to live for. Um, and that makes me happy. You're very busy. Mm. You know, and you've said that you have four children too. Mm. How do you maintain a healthy work-life balance? Um, and and how important is that for you? It's very important to ensure that the children have time, quality time. Um, but realistically, the, the Monday to Friday during the day is work time. Mm-hmm. Um, Evenings is obviously there's not that much quality time because you're looking at, you know, eating, wrapping up for bed, so on and so forth. Weekends, um, you know, we do lots of stuff on the weekends. Um, holidays, you just do the best that you can. You can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So what is your kind of, what's your, what, what's your ultimate goal? Like if you were to say, okay, so you're celebrating your big four this year? Yes. All right. So in 10 years time, yeah. where, what does life look like for Chris Cyrus? Um, so there's a sense of, of financial freedom. Um, I think that should be everyone's goal to be financially free. 100%. Um, and, and to be able to leave a legacy to your, to your grandchildren, to your grandchildren's children, you know. Um, so I'm looking at investing in um, holiday homes. Um, business wise, delivering personal development um, workshops, mm-hmm. training up individuals to do work nationally, internationally, um, just living and loving. Um, as long as I'm waking up excited, passionate, doing something I love, um, just walking with with the most high as well in the, in the sense of guidance, like what am I supposed to be doing right now? Yeah. Um, what, what should I be focusing on right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and just with the knowledge that tomorrow is not promised. So, yeah, yeah, just waking up and, and giving a hundred percent. Um, and in ten years' time, it's just to be proud of the last ten years. Mm-hmm. So you gave a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you built good relationships. You was a good dad. You 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 did in, in impact people's lives. You know those types of things mm-hmm. is important to me. So do you do you kind of share your 
I guess your spiritual knowledge with your children. So do do your, do your, do your, do your children do they do visualization? Are they very much kind of do they kind of set their intentions and their goals and that type of thing? Yeah. So I I set them. I give them books and ask them read to read the book and to share with me what you thought on on this book. Oh, brilliant! There's books that have absolutely opened my mind, um, and I give them those books, and then keep giving them those books so that they can you know recap on it we have these conversations um we discuss entrepreneurship literally mm-hmm. this morning i was speaking to my son um you know he's got a clothing line he's got like a his name's kairis he's got like a ky t-shirt okay. um and at milk Trade's motivation event we there was a 10 year old entrepreneur a- so amari was, or something. amari yeah yes. so i was telling him about the 10 year old entrepreneur i was asking him about his business and and so on and so forth um, I'm going to put him forward for this um, is it Ultra Kids I think it's an entrepreneur program for, for young people okay. so I'm going to put him forward for that and I was just discussing that with him mm-hmm. and whether he wanted to be a gamer or, or clothes designer or wh- whatever he's wanting to do but I want to support him at 10 to, to really pursue his business he seems excited by it he does basketball as well um, my stepdaughter's 14 mm-hmm. um, and she she's working so she does gymnastics but she's that good that on the weekend they get her to teach the younger ones and oh, they brilliant. to do that. Wow. So she's, I'm teaching her about saving um, and giving her, like she can definitely do whatever she wants to do. If she wants to run her own school, if she wants to do gymnastics, if she wants to, you know, she's, I'm imparting her that you can absolutely do what you want to do mm-hmm. um, and you can make your own path. Uh, and I'm, giving them the encouragement of actually being your own boss. I think the future is is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. The, the model, the old model, um, I think is outdated and not really working. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so 100%. Um, I'm teaching them to develop their skill set um, and, to, and to understand the internet and, and all these types of things because in the future, um, there's going to be many, many more millionaires um, just based on the internet and just based on this new wave of sharing knowledge sharing mm-hmm. skills um, and people just following each other and and, and yeah it's going to be crazy so as we've kind of dabbled into the whole kind of motivation that yes. type of thing mm. you know I think because I'm in I'm going to be 40 in about three, three, four years yeah, something like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. But, you know, I think you get to that point in your 30s where you're like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Where am I going? How do I find my purpose? Mm. What What do you say to people who say to you, look, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, mm. you know, I've, I've had my career. I'm not really happy in it. Mm. But I feel like I've not found my purpose. So what do you say to people like that? It's a, it's a place of exploration. So what is it that you like? I mean, sometimes I, I, I think that people don't believe that they can make a living in what they love. Mm. So, you know, you love interviewing and speaking to people. Oprah loves interviewing and speaking to people. She's a millionaire. Yeah. Billionaire. Billionaire, yeah. So you can absolutely make a living doing whatever it is you love. There's hairdressers online that are millionaires mm, there's, very little, true. there's little boys online reviewing toys millionaire so it's just having a bigger picture of 
okay, how can I specialize? How can I become an expert at this thing that I love? And then market and brand this thing that I love. Because once you become an expert and you market and brand the thing that you love, then you should be able to make a living in it. Mm. And even if you don't make a living in it, the fact that you're doing it and you're enjoying it, you're going to have some life satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So you may have a job that pays your bills, but then outside of that, you're living a life of passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important. And ideally, if you keep living a life of passion and purpose and you're serving people, then God willing, you will be able to financially live off of that. And that is the the game plan and that's, mm -hmm. and that's something to work towards and that's what I work towards um, also what kind of what kind of tips would you give people um, to kind of just keep them going motivation wise let's say they've started a new creative project for example and yeah. you know they're not necessarily getting the interest that they thought they were going to get mm. from the happens outset happens all the time you know happens all the time happens with me there's things that I'm pushing and promoting and, and doing and it's, it's perseverance um, and again it's about keep working on your craft and keep pushing and, and take guidance take guidance from people but take guidance from your inner self from the most high um, and persevere mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight um, do you know what, what question I, I always want to ask kind of like people who kind of specialise in like motivational speaking and stuff like that but how do you know that when do you know that actually I should be persevering or this just, just isn't going to work because sometimes some people will go and go and go and go and go and go mm. and five, 10 years later, nothing's happening, mm. but then they've listened to, I don't know, Zig Ziglar, <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. said, you know, yeah. you need to keep digging that diamonds coming. Do, yeah. do you understand what yeah. I mean? When, I mean, how, how do, how do you know? It is developing the skill. It is becoming better. Because if you keep becoming better at something, then there has to be a breakthrough. Mm. And you, you you know within yourself whether this thing that I'm working on and developing, I'm outstanding at it or not. Yeah. Like I'm naturally good at this or I'm not. It feels good or it doesn't. Um, and it's not about an outside validation. It's, it's an internal thing of what I know. I've mm -hmm. just got a sense of like I know. Um, and then you, you share it with people. And if people then feed back to you, yeah, that interview was a great interview. Or, or when I saw you on the court, you was really good. Or I listened to your track and it was really good. Then you start to get outside validation. Mm. Um, and then you go back and you work on it, you work on it, you work on it. Um, you only need a small amount of people to really buy into who you are and what you're doing you to start and for you to get going mm. you know if I'm a personal development person that wants to work in schools I only need one or two schools to start my business yeah um, and again it is about just keep on going but at the same time as you keep on going keep on getting better mm -hmm. um, and you'll know you'll know at some point someone will say to you you just you just can't sing at some point <laughs> you get me at some point someone will just tell you and then you'll know um you but know. what? But what if you believe? What if you believe that you can sing? What if you believe that in your ears you yeah. sound like? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it's a tough one. If you genuinely believe, then go for it. If you genuinely believe that you're supposed to be a singer and everyone's telling you you can't sing, then 
keep developing and go for it because <laughs> because your vision I believe is God given mm. and no one can't take away your vision and if that's what you're seeing I like that then go for it I like that absolutely I like that um how important do you do you have a brotherhood would you say I've got a um I do have a brotherhood um I think guys are very different from girls um and it may be just be me and guys that I'm around um but there isn't a brotherhood where we see each other and speak to each other on a regular basis. Mm -hmm, yeah. I've got probably mm -hmm. one right hand that I speak to at least once a week and see at least once every two weeks, but probably more than that. Um, and then I've got a, a circle of people that are just my for life friends. Yeah. So, you know, we will always connect at some point and they'll be my friends for life. Um, but generally I have a very small circle in mm -hmm. terms of the people that I do with on a day to day basis it's a small circle um it's optionally small when i say optionally small i mean i choose it that way because i'm wary of energy wary yes. of time mm -hmm. um intention and all these types of things and i want to be around movers and shakers, shakers yes um mm -hmm. and yeah so you know i i don't have that that need as i did as a child necessarily to to just sit around with bare people and we're just watching and I've just got lots of friends. I don't actually need that. I'm, I've got a lot to do. So with, but with the, I'm more talking about like a brotherhood that support, that ha, that is more like a support okay. kind of system for you. So okay. not, so not like, oh, you know, we are just here jamming, running yeah, spinach, yeah, drinking yeah. brandy, but more like, you know, of course there are people that are your support system that yeah. you can lean on if yeah, you yeah. need to my support system is involved males and females mm -hmm. my support system isn't a brotherhood my support system is my mum my auntie my sister my friend um my work colleagues uh, my business partners mm -hmm. these are th that is my support system okay so it isn't you know three or four guys that you know this is my support system it, it's a mixture of friends and family and and, and co-workers mm. business partners do you think having a a support system of m males mm. is important, though? I because haven't found it to be. You haven't? No. Okay. It may be for a young person, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's not. I haven't, I haven't sourced it, haven't required it, haven't needed it. Mm. Would it be nice to have a mastermind or a, or a support system of, of powerful men? Would that help to elevate? Would that be a good thing? Probably. Mm -hmm. Is it something that I'm seeking and, and, and is, is a requirement and, and something that I'm, I feel like I need? No, but I think it would be, it possibly mm. would be good. I remember, I think it was Dame Dash that was saying, um, that he doesn't really keep any men in his kind of mm. close circle anymore. He says, mm. I just have women around me because mm. men are just, you know, and mm. that just came to mind as you were kind of saying that. He said it's yeah. kind of like a mixture of like Absolutely. Male, men, men and women, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, if it was going to be a brotherhood, it would be, you know, and, I, and to be fair, I do. I've got many strong male people, but we're just, doing what, what we need to do we yeah. don't necessarily mm -hmm. but it would be good um to come together even if it's once a month and just you know iron sharp and iron and just reason and just you know 
and so and emotionally support like what's going on what's going on in life what's going on it it would be beneficial mm. um but it's not a necessity for me right now mm. so when you when you do need emotional support that a woman you know your wife your sister your mum can't really overstand because they're a woman do you have men within your right hand okay yeah so you can get that yeah absolutely would you be would you be happy to cry in front of him are you um you know i'm not i'm not a crier oh interesting why not truth why not it just doesn't when i say i'm not a crier i probably am if i'm if if i might cry at something different so i might not i don't i very rarely cry over myself Okay. I very really feel sorry for myself. Uh-huh. If I cry, I might cry for something else. So, for example, I was driving to the prison, and we had a very, or you know, was working with a um, a group that's going through loads. Um, whether it's someone who's a lifer and someone who's who's maybe just about to make a turnover, and and it's a group that I was emotionally connected with anyway. Um, and I was driving to the prison, it was early morning, and uh, Morgan Heritage song, um, come on, something about, do you see anything to smile about? I was listening to that just yesterday. When, you know, when you mm. look around and he's bringing this guy around and in the slums, he's, mm. do you see anything to smile about? And that brought a tear to my eye because it made me think about our condition. Yeah. The boys' condition in the prisons, um, some of our conditions in our communities. And that brought a tear to me. Mm. So if I'm going to cry, I'm, I'm more likely to cry for someone else or about something else. Mm-hmm. I don't generally cry for myself. I generally don't feel sorry for myself. But crying isn't always about feeling sorry for yourself. You can mm. cry because you just feel the emotion of being sad. You can cry because you're angry. You can cry because you're just overjoyed with Yeah, and I can happiness. do those things. I can do those things. Um I just don't do it often, but I can do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can. Um, whether it is I'm so angry and I, and I can't, or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess it's just not, it's not, it just doesn't happen often. I've so, probably, I've probably cried in the last 10 years um, outside of, you know, a funeral or whatever, whatever, just, just because I needed to cry less than five times in 10 years 10 years wow yeah do you want me to get the kleenex i just don't feel like crying right now (laughs) (laughs) if i did then you could draw for it i mean okay look what what do you think is the reluctance of men to really just engage you know find that space what is the fear in being vulnerable i'm not sure if they i think so even I think I was having a thought the other day. Um, I'm more likely now to cry over something positive. I was speaking to Miltre, um, and we were speaking about, I think I was just telling him some of the good stuff that he was doing. I've done it at the show as well, but I was speaking to him on the phone on the radio, mm. and he was talking about, you're not going to make me cry, you know? I'm more likely to cry over just being proud about something. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. at this point, mm-hmm. than I am to, to cry about just being sad. Um, but you, no, but the thing is, you make it sound like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I think if you're sad, you have to cry. You know, if I'm sad, I will cry. If if I'm if I'm at a place of loss, then I will cry. But um, I don't know. 
is there is there a reluctance to cry? I don't know. Hmm. So, <clears throat> are you trying to get me to cry? Is that what you're saying? I mean, that that's my aim every episode. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm joking, future guests. That's not my thing at all. Um, <laughs> okay. Just be serious. So, how do you let off steam? Uh, Jim. Um, relationship, um, work, just doing, just doing, just living, just being. You didn't really answer the question. I did. The only, I, I feel like the only viable thing you said was Jim. Okay. Okay. And writing. Oh, so you're still, so you still actively write? Do I? Every now and again. I don't, I don't actively write. Um, but if I have got a thought or an emotion that I want to express, then I will write. Or if something comes to me, I will write. Okay. Um, and again, um, it doesn't happen that often. Um, I have written recently, um, because thoughts have been coming to me and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not a poet per se. Like I wake up and I need to write a poem. Okay. I'm more of there's a lots of different things going on in my head. I want to express this thing. The best way for me to do it because there's so much going on is to get on paper, or um, someone says something and it triggers something, mm-hmm. and as it's triggered something, these words and ideas are coming to me, and I'm like, okay, this is a poem, and I get it down. Mm-hmm. So, did you ever have dreams of like being a performer, like back in the day? Yeah. Me and my right hand was part of a group. Oh, really? Two boys and a, and a girl called oh. Urban Twist. I see. Yeah. So actually, that was one of the the paths that I was on outside of the other other stuff was music, um, which which is you know, again in terms of my business and what I do, it's a combination of just my passions. Mm-hmm. So I own a music studio. Yeah. I, I use creative writing as a tool to work with the young people. I teach them personal development. My business is based around my passions, mm-hmm. based around things that um, I love and I'm an expert at because I do it so often and because I love it so much. Um, so yeah, absolutely had ambitions. Um, we was linked to Harvey from Soul Solid. We had a manager, which was Harvey from Soul Solid's dad. Okay. Um, who was uh, one of the gladiators. Um, Harvey's dad was a gladiator? Yeah. Which one? Um, oh, you're asking now. No, because there wasn't that many. There wasn't that many. Yeah, he um, wasn't. Black... He wasn't. He wasn't as prominent as the like the what's the tall dark. So, that's what I, that's who I was that, thinking that about. Okay, that was, okay. It was a broader one, not the one with the plats neither. Okay. Um, so not Saracen. Not is it Saracen? It wasn't none of those two. It was another one. Um, he wasn't as prominent. We have to go and Google afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, as a gladiator. Okay. Um, so he was managing us. We was doing shows. Um, oh wow! So you did shows and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Done stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And when I came out to deliver the workshops, and even till today, um, it is a lot of it is performance based. So outside of teaching personal development, I will perform the poems. So I've got um, a guitarist. I've got a singer. Mm-hmm. So I will perform the poem. So I'm still essentially a, you know, a performer. Because you did, do, you did do a performance at um, one of the events that I went to, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and Nathaniel, my business partner, he plays saxophone. The sexy, oh, when set, he set, came set, out and did, and Lorreen, and Lorreen, oh, that, yeah, so every now and again, that was brilliant. Every now and again, yeah. we, we, you know, we, we fire it up and, and, and perform, because obviously he's a musician as well. So we've got all these, you know, things about us, these mm-hmm. unique things about us, and when we package it all into one, um, it is just an amazing gift, it, and it's a unique um, thing that no one can really duplicate. Mm-hmm. Um, hence there's a market hence there's a um, a business opportunity mm-hmm. just being yourself and bringing to the table your unique gifts and things that you're interested in okay so that was a good segue into so can you tell us about all of the businesses you're, you're, you're doing and who mm. you're trying who your markets are for each business and that type yeah. of thing so my key um, two key skills are personal development and the creative writing creative arts mm-hmm. within that um i work in the prisons i work in my music studio i work in the schools um i've got a qualified I, I went and studied life coaching so i'm a qualified life coach so i do coaching um we do events um some motivation events and youth music events so what, so, are, what are the names of those so um, we've done several youth voice, um, youth events. We're going to do a new one called um, You Are Powerful, which is going to link my youth voice event. I've got a new new generation jazz event, which I've basically got young people performing with um, live musicians, jazz musicians. So we run that weekly at the moment. Mm-hmm. So they'll be performing at the studio. We've got record labels. So I've got um, a couple of guys that we're excited about. Uh, you know, some young boys called 111110. Um, team money so cyan a singer so we've got you know it there's a lot going on mm-hmm. that that keeps me busy um speaking at events as well so i i live a very diverse interesting life um building towards a level of passive income where i don't actually have to be at all these places at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i can be in the prison while someone's delivering a workshop in a school while my team's delivering something in the studio um and it's yeah it's it's i'm at a place um where i can kind of wake up and and do the the work that i want to do um which is an amazing place to be i'm enjoying it um and just continually working and creating you know for me to continue to do this i need to continually create new events yeah new Mm -hmm. workshops i need to continually market myself to celebrate 10 years in business, I went back into to schools um, and delivered free workshops, something that I started my business doing 10 years ago, um, to engage with new teachers that may never have seen me speak mm-hmm. and work with their children, to engage with, with headmasters and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's, it's a continuous thing, but it's not arduous because it's something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm working with the youth offender team as well about to do some new bits bit of work around gangs with them so they call on me to do bits and bobs so yeah okay fantastic so um i think we're going to wrap the discussion up now so chris cool. thank you so much for taking your time out to come and sit great. with us and yeah. you're very lucky because it's our birthday today yes so this is going to be birthday. another signature episode okay, um excellent. but where can we find you what are your socials contact email so the 
a place where I'm most uh, prominent at the moment, where I focus most of my time is Instagram, which is my name, at Christopher Cyrus, Cyrus is with an S. Um, when I post on Instagram, I link it up to Facebook and Twitter, so there'll be messages there, but I don't really go on Facebook and Twitter that much. Um, I've got a website, which is cyrusconsultancy.com. If you actually go on cyrusconsultancy.com, there is a pop-up um, to get a free download of my poetry book. Um, I don't really promote that. I don't really, you know, I think you asked me about my, my clothing line and, and my stuff. I don't really push my book and my, and my Love Life brand that much but it exists, so the book's there if people want it. Um, if I go to an event, I might perform and, and sell the book. But generally, because I'm doing all these other things, things yeah. I don't, mm -hmm. like when I first came out, I was very much, the clothing line was more to do with, with the young people. So mm -hmm. I'd go with, and I'll say, as a prize, you can get a tracksuit. As a okay. prize, you can get a hat. Mm -hmm. So the Love Life 6958 is the, um, in terms of the brand and the name of the book, is um, the prison number LL6958. Okay. And it represents. It's funny because someone asked me the, the other day. Um, I was in a lift, uh, and an elderly couple asked me, "What does the six nine five eight mean?" I said, "Yeah, it's just my brand." I said, "Oh, that's a good idea. Good idea." I don't really want to go into my whole history with it, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it represents the prison number. It yeah. represents um, turning negative to positive. Yes, 100%. I, rem I remember. Um, and I know we're wrapping up, but I'll quickly tell you this. I remember when I was getting some letters and it didn't have my prison number on it. It had my name on it, didn't have my prison number on it. And the officer says, you know, the next time your people send you, send you letters, make sure that your prison number's on it. Um, and what they were basically saying is that you are LL69558, forget Chris, Chris Cyrus, wow. you're LL69558. So in defiance of that, I've, I've kind of turned the LL69 into Love Life 6958, mm. which is about transformation okay turning it around i love uh -huh. that that's uh -huh. brilliant well um i know you don't promote your book but can you yes please do <laughs> uh so yeah it's it's on the free download is on the website com. i'm sure you can find it on amazon as well i'm sure you can buy it on the website as well um the next place to see me if you're if you're when you're airing this i'm gonna put it on wednesday okay so yeah, yeah so if you wanna come to the workshop um the tickets are live underscore your underscore purpose dot eventbrite.co.uk uh, personal development workshop in victoria double tree hotel um the, the things that i've been talking about the tools that i've been talking about i will be sharing those via a workshop with a workbook um it's going to be an intimate group and we're going to go through um just uncovering what that purpose is and just giving you those tools so love for you to join me if what i've you know, if it is resonating with you and you feel like, you know, you can benefit from it, then yeah, come and see me and we can do it. Okay. All right, cool. Well, guys, um, that was another episode of Lovely Bear. Um, I'm not quite sure who I'm going to have on next week. I'll see how the week goes. Um, but if you have been affected by anything we've spoken about today, um, you can head over to our resources page, um, at, on the website says www.lovelybear.com and you know there's a list of support services there i'll ask chris if he's has any more that i could potentially add to the site um but yes so have a fantastic week guys i love you and um yeah i'll see you next week it's a wrap lovely bear presents love the conversation 
Play. The UK's first digitally interactive talk Bear. show hosted by radio and podcast host Dion London. Do not miss out on your chance to be part of some of the most explosive debates concerning culture, life struggles and community. Our rotating panel of experts and experienced individuals will kick off the conversation with 50-50 audience interaction. Join us on the 28th of April 2019 at 4.30pm at the Croydon Park Hotel. Tickets are £15 plus booking fee and available on Eventbrite. Just search for Love Laid Bear. Be part of the conversation.